I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another members-only Beast Inside episode of The Daily Beast, The New Abnormal. We thank you so much for being here. Today we have a very special guest with Congresswoman Veronica Escobar, who represents Texas 16th Congressional District. She also sits on the Committee on Armed Services as well as the Judiciary Committee. I'm so excited. You represent Beto's old district, right? I do, yes. That's so cool. It feels like immigration has gone from something we haven't been talking about to, like, the biggest topic that's happening right now. Talk to me about what you... You have a pretty bold plan. Can you explain it to us? Absolutely. To hear some members of the media tell it, we've never had immigration challenges at the border until January 20th of this year. Right. It's been really frustrating to hear members of the media characterize this as though it is a new challenge when it is not a new phenomenon. And I decided to write a, a piece for the New York Times. And, and thankfully, they've, they've always given me space dating back to 20, gosh, maybe 2011. Um, but in 2014, I wrote a piece called Why the, the Border Crisis is a Myth. And what has happened repeatedly from Washington has been this this idea that if we could just get tough enough on the border, all of our immigration challenges will go away. And so, you know, the walls kept getting bigger and taller and thicker and uglier, investments in drones and personnel, and then enter Donald Trump, and it was cruelty and dehumanization. And and what, what we now know after four years of some of the most draconian immigration policies is that unless you address the root causes, you're not going to change things much. And, you know, the other thing that I hope we do realize is that migration will happen. You you cannot stop migration. People move around. Now, what you can do is, is do your best as a country to pay attention to what's happening around you, to work collaboratively with leaders in your hemisphere, to bring people in and find solutions to, to really catastrophic issues that people are facing in other countries because it's in our best interest, you know, to have as much stability as possible in migration is is optimum. It's You can't always have that, but you should strive for it. The United States has not done a great job of doing that. And so, we, you know, we don't really, we haven't worked well or effectively or positively, I think, with countries in our quote-unquote neighborhood in the Western Hemisphere. And so that's landed now, um, you know, in the lap of this administration. And, And for the first time, we have an administration, I think, 
willing to tackle it in a strategic way, involve the, the State Department, involve, you know, all agencies available to really address it. The plan that I've outlined is I, I think we need sort of a hemispheric summit. I think that one of the best things that Vice President Harris could do is call everyone to the table, including Canada, and outline the challenges we all face together, outline the obligations we have to one another, the responsibility that we have uh, as neighbors, as allies, and carve out a plan. Now that's gonna take time. And, you know, in part, people don't tackle immigration in this country, even some of the most well-meaning politicians, because it's hard. It takes a lot of time. So that's more of a long-term goal. In the short term, the Biden administration is doing what it needs to do, which is create the infrastructure needed to, to, to process children, which is, you know, we are seeing uh, an increase month after month in children, making sure that we connect them to their families, because about 85% of the kids coming into our country have a very close family member, like a parent or a sibling who's already here. And then I think as a Congress, we have a role to play as well. We've got to pass legislation that, and, and we did last week, we passed the Dream and Promise Act. We passed the Farmworker Modernization Act to address some of the undocumented population that lives in our country. But we need a broader plan as well as Congress. So there's a lot of work to do. But how would you possibly be able to pass that? Like, I mean, can you think of 10 sane Republicans who are going to be in this on the Senate side who would be able to support any kind of immigration bill? Unfortunately, I can't. And and this is this is yet another reason why we need to abolish the, the filibuster. The Senate is is a governing body that is about the status quo, basically. And if we expect to have anything happen that is not linked to a must-pass piece of legislation, like, you know, the reconciliation or, you know, appropriations bills. You know, we have to make the Senate work. It is not working. I mean, I don't know that you'd get 60 senators to say that the status quo is working. You know, if we agree that that the Senate is unable to really get things done, the question is, how do we do it? You know, and, and I just, I can't help but think, you know, in America, whether it's a city council race or uh, a congressional race, you know, the, the one person should equal one vote and the majority should rule. Unfortunately, at the federal level, the electoral college doesn't reflect that and the filibuster doesn't reflect that. I think both of those are wrong and both of them need to go away if we're ever going to tackle these big issues. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious to know, like, what do you think your constituents want? I think my constituents, and I think this is probably the case for the vast majority of Americans, they want us to do our damn job. <laughs> you know, they want us to solve problems. They don't want us to be the problem. I think about, I think there's like 18 senators who are flying, you know, parachuting into Texas to visit one of the facilities. And, and that delegation is led by John Cornyn and Ted Cruz. These are people who are about to engage in, in political theater, use the border as a prop, do a whole lot of complaining and finger pointing, 
But these are the same people who've been in the Senate for a number of years. The, but my own senators, they were in the Senate when their party had control of the White House, the Senate, and the House of Representatives. They did not solve this problem. They did not address the challenges. And they can't say that Donald Trump did it either because the vast majority of the policies, with the exception of you know, the horrific family separation policy, with the exception of stealing money from the military to build a wall, and with the exception of, of MPP, the vast majority of Donald Trump's policies are still in place. It didn't stop people from coming. They had their chance to govern. They chose not to, you know, and, and I think people want us to govern. Yeah, no, I think so too. And I think there's a real need. What's happening in the rest of the continent seems like like the coronavirus. I mean, I have an aunt who lives in Mexico and I'm just seeing how chaotic it is. And it does make a lot of, your idea of like having a sort of, you know, Central America, South America summit seems to make a lot of sense. I mean, do you think, do you think those countries would be willing to participate? I think it would take a carrot and a stick approach. Not every country in the Northern Triangle faces the same issues. Um, you know, they, they, they are each facing different issues. Mexico is facing its own issues. The question is, you know, once you get them to the table and identify shared challenges, shared opportunities. It's going to take resources, but I think also it's going to take accountability. You know, the, the, I was talking with a, a reporter earlier today and I was telling her that, you know, th these countries are turning a blind eye in many respects to the awful human trafficking criminal organizations and networks that have existed for a long time. And a lot of these very vulnerable people are going to banks and asking banks for loans in order to pay the human traffickers. The banks know, know where the, the money is going. Everyone is turning a blind eye. And there are some really bad people who are enriching themselves off of these vulnerable populations. We need to hold people accountable, people in power in those countries, whether it means, you know, freezing assets, whether, I mean, you know, there's a whole lot of tools in the toolbox for the United States. And there's a whole lot we can do to entice countries to work with us as well. It's going to take a mix of diplomacy and honest conversations. That's why I am very hopeful that um, the administration has, that the president has identified this as a, an important task for the vice president. It, it needs that kind of attention and that level of significance. And so I do feel that there's a, a path to doing it. It's not going to be easy and it won't, it won't happen overnight. Do you think there are any short-term solutions for right now that could really fix the situation? No, I don't. There are short-term solutions that could make things better. But you know, Molly, I think here's one of the bigger challenges, and I don't know how we fix this. I think that the administration is, is going to build a more humanitarian system, better policies and processes. They are hiring very good people. 
very, very good people. But you want a special envoy, right? Did you want them to have a special person to sort of address this? Well, we we have that now with OPP. But here's, here's what I think the challenge is for our country. The challenge is for our country that, you know, even though in many respects, we like to think of ourselves as a nation of immigrants and we all have very romantic feelings, fond feelings about the Statue of Liberty and the idea behind the Statue of Liberty. There's a lot of people in our country who are totally okay with the fact that undocumented immigrants are working in the fields to get them their food, working in restaurants you know, to, to make sure they, they get what they need, working in construction to build our country, but they don't want their 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 family members or their kids to come. That, right. I, I don't know how we overcome that. I don't know how we instill a sense of compassion in a country that over the last four years has heard nothing but xenophobia and, and has had nothing but hate that's been fueled in the hearts of so many that's the greater challenge, I think. I think everything else, we can do it, Molly. We can do it. We are one of the smartest, best, most amazing countries in the world. Countries with fewer resources and even bigger refugee challenges have done this. We can do it, but we need to instill some compassion into the hearts of Americans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When picking a commerce platform for your business, you have two choices. Or. I prefer. Don't you? That's the sound you'll hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling your business's complexity no matter how big you grow. Step up to Shopify and harness the best converting checkout and the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands like Rothy's, Allbirds, Brooklinen, and so much more. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate your products, orders, customers, and more from every major e-commerce platform to Shopify. If you're anything like me, you're one of those don't put me in a box people. Everyone who knows me knows. 
knows I'm a don't put me in a box person. And thankfully, Shopify never will because with Shopify, control of your brand and business is always in your hands from your storefront look to your back office operations. I hate when checking out from an online store and then having to pull out my credit card and type in all those numbers. A Shopify store remembers my shipping address and payment information. So if I'm on the couch and my wallet is on the kitchen counter... I don't even have to get up. Stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash abnormal. Do you think some of Democrats' problems are that they are not exactly good at messaging this situation? Like, if you look at America is not in any way having a population explosion, if anything, our birth rate is declining. We actually really need immigrants to keep our economy going. Right. Do you wonder if some of this is Democrat? Like, I and you, I believe, relate to this humanitarian issue of, like, you can't turn people away when they are, you know, going to be murdered or worse when they if they go home. But there is also just an economic need for more people. Right. And study after study demonstrates that immigrants are a net positive for our economy um, and that they commit crimes at lower rates than native-born Americans. So they are, and they are more entrepreneurial and innovative. The facts work in the favor of immigrants. It's the nativist tendencies that are hard to get past for Americans, especially when those immigrants are, are brown and poor. I mean, let's face it. I do think it's it's hard to message because as I say, even some of the most well-intentioned members of my own party, you know, would I think would rather not deal with this and see it as, as an inconvenience. And that's why I think President Biden needs to lean in on this and say, you know, during his press conference, he he did a very effective job, I thought. But, you know, you've, you've, you, I think you've got to acknowledge and the, the president, the White House and Democrats need to acknowledge, look, everything that's been attempted before has not stemmed the tide. So the best that we can do is treat people well, acknowledge our role, acknowledge the benefits, and create a better system, but also create some stability in the hemisphere. But let's take a look at in the mirror and really be honest with ourselves about, you know, why are we so afraid of immigrants? Yeah. So Representative Escobar, to shift a little from that subject, there's a lot of discussion on how these rich white guys are abandoning California and coming to Texas. we got Elon Musk, Joe Rogan, all shouting it from uh, the sky. But the big thing is they're moving there because they don't really pay much of anything in taxes and then contributes to the infrastructure erosion within your state. Can you talk about what you've seen with that? Yeah, you know, and, and I think... What's going to be really interesting over the long term will be like how things change. And so I'll, I'll, to be specific, as an example, you know, these guys, so these guys left California, uh, came to Texas, we get a winter storm and the grid shuts down. And the grid shuts down because, you know, we are a state that, that 
you know, the very reason why they wanted to be here, very little regulation, very little government interference, but there's a consequence to that. And, you know, how long are they willing to to live with those consequences? Uh, I don't know. I think our state is changing. And I don't get into the whole California versus Texas thing the way that some of my Republican colleagues do. But I do think there are lessons to be learned from California, good and bad. But I do think the state is changing. And I, you know, we saw it in the presidential election, actually the last three presidential elections, the state has you know, taken, you know, in terms of a few percentage points here and there is becoming more democratic. I think we're going to continue to move in that direction. And I think after this storm, a lot of folks realized, wow, you know, the 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 governing party, you know, which is the, the part of the reason why many of these business guys are attracted to Texas, you know, the governing party that is really hands off they are really hands off. I mean, they will, they can't even protect us. COVID also, during the COVID response by the state just has been abysmal. You know, Greg Abbott basically saying, oh, mission accomplished, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm very afraid that the state will, you know, that we're going to become a hot zone again. And so it's kind of a wait and see kind of thing, but also the state is changing. So we'll, we'll see how things evolve. Democrats want to win Texas. Beto has talked about this. You know, he was the first person I ever heard talk about this idea. It feels like demographically, the demographics are shifting. And, but do you see that or are we completely delusional? I think it's a, com- you're, no, you're not completely delusional. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a, a, a combination of things. I, I do think the Democrat, demographics are shifting. But in some cases, like in the Rio Grande Valley, for example, you know, there are a lot of Latinos that, that voted for Trump in the last presidential election and that are trending in that direction, surprisingly, but you know, I did a lot of phone banking in the RGV, the Rio Grande Valley, during the presidential election, and it was interesting. I mean, I think I think as Democrats, we've done a very poor job of talking to that base in the Rio Grande Valley, and so there's a lot of work to be done there. I do think, though, in other parts of the state, we made a lot of great gains. I also think there's a lot of folks who are moving to Texas, you know, just like those, you know, rich white business guys. Right. There's other folks, you know, my my little brother and his wife moved from the Bay Area to Austin and, you know, they're they're liberals. And and so, you know, they bring with them their vote and getting a lot of folks like that in Texas. So it's a combination. And, and, And also, I think the other thing we're seeing Republicans in Texas just trying to reshape themselves in in the mold of Donald Trump. How long that will save them, I don't know. But right. you know, so so it's but it's not going to happen organically soon enough. And so that's why many of us, you know, continue to work really hard on voter registration on GOTV efforts long before, you know, early voting. There's a lot of work, but there's a lot of opportunity, I think. I, I've been talking about this literally all day because I had Ron Brownstein on, and he we were talking about with this election, Democrats managed to sort of blow it with a lot of Latinos and sort of got creamed in Florida and also in Texas and a bunch of different places. Why do you think that happened? Because you have sort of your finger on the pulse with this as a Democrat in Texas? 
I think the reason why Latinos voted for Republicans in Florida is different than the, the Texas phenomenon. And uh, in Florida, I remember my dear friend, Debbie Mukersell Powell, who was you know running in Miami, and just, oh, that was such a heartbreak that she lost because she's an amazing member, was an amazing member of Congress. She kept sounding the alarm about the fact that the party was not doing an effective job with its messaging and, and that the Republicans' messaging around socialism was penetrating. She also sounded the alarm on misinformation. Yeah. Yeah. I am, uh, in terms of the misinformation, I am really worried in Texas as well with Latinos on the misinformation. I am shocked, repeatedly shocked at the kind of foothold that the whole absolutely insane QAnon theory is taking, especially among Latinos. And so that that is an area of concern. But in Texas, especially in the Rio Grande Valley, unfortunately, in border communities, it's been a struggle to pull border communities in Texas out of poverty. And, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But we live in a state that limits our access to health care, limits our access to high quality education. And so it should be no shocker to folks that generational poverty has been tough to break out of under those circumstances in, in a Republican state. So many of the jobs in the Rio Grande Valley are in law enforcement, border patrol, you know, a lot of federally funded jobs or, or, you know, jobs in local law enforcement. So, you know, some of the, the, the more progressive messaging that they were hearing, I mean, this is what I heard on during my phone banks, during my phone calls in, in the RGV, it turned a lot of Latinos off. You know, they like abolish ICE, for example, that that really offended them because those those are jobs that get them into the middle class or they, you know, they have a son or a brother or a wife or, you know, uh, a daughter in federal law enforcement. We are not doing a great job of, in, in states like mine, getting people out of generational poverty because of Repu Republican governors like mine and talking in ways with folks that, that shows them that we are about them. Do you see like really good Democratic candidates who can run? Like, is there a Democratic bench? We've got to work on that in Texas. Um, we have we have some really, really great folks. So, so we are building a bench. It's unfortunately happening slowly. I think we need to do a better job of growing that bench. But we've we've definitely got some some rock stars in the pipeline. I don't know if they'll be ready for you know a March primary, you know, a primary in one year, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't go for it. And, and we, we need to. Yeah. Thank Thank you so much. This was great. I learned so much and I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you. On that note, we'll wrap this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking to smart folks from The Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 